We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'm going to respond one more time to this foolish, asinine argument that somehow Christianity should stay out of the public square because there's a separation between church and state. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Okay, welcome to The Rebellion. Thanks to all of you who continue to listen in on this daily show. I'm very grateful for that, for that attention and for that support. I'm very thankful that you care enough to engage in the dialogue, in the discussion, in the debate. That's what good education is all about. That's what intellectual freedom and academic liberty is supposed to be. So thank you to all of you. Whether you agree with everything I say or not, thank you for at least listening. Thank you for at least having a modicum of openness, an interest in ideas. And thank you for trusting that as we engage in this process of give and take, of a good, healthy argument, what we used to call a robust exchange of ideas, a debate, thank you for trusting that we can come to some conclusions with truth on the sideline as the referee of the game blowing the whistle when I'm wrong or when I'm right or when you're wrong or right. Thank you. That's what the rebellion is all about. That's the premise of this show. That's the foundation upon which I hope to build every single episode that we do. So thank you for supporting us. And remember that if you'd like to subscribe to The Rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. That's patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. So today's show is on this issue of separation of church and state again. And the reason I'm covering it again is I was challenged just a few minutes ago by a guy from Canada who's lecturing me about... America's Republican Constitution and how it's framed upon the assumption of the separation of church and state and how Republicans pander to fundamentalist Christians just to garner votes and usher in a theocracy. I'm serious. I'm getting this note from a Canadian. Uh, Why he's going after me on this issue is a non sequitur. It's a distraction because it has nothing to do with the initial post or the argument that I was making. He just launches into this attack of conservatives such as myself who dare to bring a historical perspective that's grounded in the facts of history, grounded in the reality of what our founding documents and what our founding fathers have said about the ideas upon which our country is built, the ideas that serve as the soil for the freedoms that we enjoy. So I'm going to respond to this 
argument one more time about the separation of church and state and how people like me are nothing but um, crusaders who want to usher in a theocracy because we continue to talk about religion in the public square. Let's take a break. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you this critic's accusation. And then I'm going to, once again, once again, I've done this before, but this is so critical because these people keep going back to this lie, this, this fallacy, this sleight of hand, this distraction. Whenever they want to silence you, I don't care whether you're talking about COVID, forced vaccinations, the, the efficacy or lack thereof of mask mandates or shutdowns, I don't care if you're talking about that or if you're talking about the bankruptcy, the intellectual and moral bankruptcy of our educational establishment. I don't care if you're talking about the lunacy of subjective identity claims or the racism of critical race theory or BLM. I don't care what you're talking about. It could be any topic that's hot within the news. The retort, the go-to for these people in the progressive left is to continue to throw out fallacious attacks like ad hominem attacks. They call you names. And then they'll construct these straw men. Well, you just need to be quiet because religion shouldn't have any place in the public square. You're just trying to create a theocracy. No, no, I'm trying to bring the consistency of tradition, reason, experience, and revelation into the discussion because this is a lens through which we should look at the human experience, at worldviews, and try to determine, try to determine which ones have worked and which ones don't, which ones seem to come closer to an objective standard of truth than others, okay? So I digress a bit, but I guess I've set up today's show in what I just said. Hopefully I I have. So here's what this guy says to me. Actually, my post was concerning Georgetown's lunacy because Georgetown Law School is going to create, and I'm not kidding, cry rooms. They're actually calling them cry rooms for law students who are unable to handle the public debate. They're unable to handle criticism of uh, the COVID cult. They're unable to handle any challenge to the circular um, reasoning of the left, that this these people continue to be dogs chasing their tail. They keep barking the same arguments over and over again. They continue their circular arguments, their circular reasoning, their fallacious nonsense, and it makes you dizzy. You know, the stuff I've said before, I can't tolerate your intolerance. I hate you hateful people. I'm sure that nothing is sure. I know that absolutely nothing can be known, and I'm absolutely confident there are no absolutes. The circular nonsense of the left. Well, Georgetown actually said they're going to create cry rooms for people that can't handle the debate so that you have a private place to go and feel safe as you shed your tears over being challenged by the stupidity of your ideas, the childishness of your ideas. 
Somebody dares to say, grow up. Life isn't safe, but it's good, as I did in my book that's titled that. And, oh, I can't handle it. I need a cry room because he told me to grow up. Seriously, Georgetown's doing that. So I actually posted that I'm offering free copies of Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good to Georgetown University. And I facetiously, but seriously, I'll figure out a way to do it, said, call me. Georgetown, call me. I'll give you some copies of Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, If It's but it's good. Again, grow up. Life isn't safe, but it's good if you'd like them. All right, so I got a response to that offering of that book to Georgetown, and it was guy, a guy by the name of B.T. Swizzle who says this. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Why he says it, what it has to do with the post, I don't know, but this is what he said. America's Republican Constitution were framed to separate church and state, but Republicans pandered to fundamentalist Christianity to garner votes because otherwise they'd be irrelevant in a modern secular country. If Christians don't want abortions, don't have them, but don't force your belief on others. Legislators and judges continue to try to impose restrictions on citizens based on religious beliefs. That's not freedom, that's a theocracy. Okay, again, what does that have to do with anything that I said with regard to Georgetown? I don't know, but apparently he read enough of my profile to know that I make my arguments from a biblical perspective. I believe in the tradition, reason, experience, and revelation of the biblical perspective. I believe in that as our founding fathers believed in that. And I've shared with you the evidence that, yes, indeed, our founding fathers grounded the construction of our country, our constitution, our bill of rights, everything that serves as the soil out of which our freedoms grow, assume the same worldview that I share with you on a daily basis on this show. I don't know, maybe that's why he got into this separation of church and state issue and the accusation that people like me and those of you who are listening are nothing but crusaders that are trying to usher in a theocracy that will squash the freedoms and the dignity of all those other folks that don't believe. What about load of crap? That's nonsense. I've shared this with you before. It's nonsense. <laughs> I was invited. I'm going to re- refresh your memory. I was invited after Donald Trump was elected to the presidency. I was invited to the United States Capitol, our nation's capital, by the Department of Health and Human Services. And I was invited to speak at the ceremony, which was uh, set up to announce a new division of conscience and religious freedom. I was one of the people that was invited to speak there. And, and at that event, here's some stuff I shared. I said, I said as an educator, uh, the one thing that I think I can bring to the discussion that we're having right now as we establish this new division of conscience and religious freedom through the Department of Health and Human Services. I said, as an educator, I think one thing I can bring to the table today is to talk about history. Um, I'm not trying to be pedantic. I'm not trying to say that I understand history better than anybody else, but I am an educator, so bear with me. I'm going to share with you some facts. Well, here's one thing. It's a fact. In 1776, Jefferson Jefferson set the cornerstone for our constitutional republic. And on that, he carved these words in our cornerstone. We are created, we are equal, we are endowed by God, not government, with certain and specific unalienable 
rights, indisputable, undeniable rights. That's Jeffersonian language. We're endowed by our creator. All men are created equal. We have certain and specified unalienable rights. Okay, that was 1776. In 1791, James Madison wrote the First Amendment. So we have Jefferson setting the cornerstone and etching in the cornerstone equality and the fact that we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, and among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Madison comes along in 1791 and says this, as he wrote the First Amendment, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. I've talked about this in a recent show. So Madison obviously knew that the first right, the essential right of mankind was that we were to pursue meaning, happiness, uh, the opposite of haplessness. And he knew that, it, that this stuff, this pursuit, was the business of the church and individual conscience and not the king or not the courts. Congress was the protector of that first thing. Congress, the government, was not the creator of that first thing, the progenitor of that first thing. No, no, Congress was the protector. I'll say that again. Congress was intended to be the protector of that first thing, that unalienable right not the progenitor of that first thing. So essentially, the simplicity here of Madison's argument is brilliant. This is the Piper paraphrase. The federal government should not presume to define the matters of the church. That's what Madison is saying in the First Amendment. The government shouldn't presume to define the matters of the church. And likewise, the government should never pretend to establish, dictate, define, contradict, or contravene religious belief. It's none of your darn business. Stay out of the church, is what Madison was saying. It's not the government's business. It's the right and responsibility of the church and the American people. And and, let me go further here. The government should never presume to prohibit any citizen's free expression of their faith or free exercise. That's the word that's used, exercise of their faith. Again, Piper paraphrase, religion is not merely some secondary matter. It's not relegated to your private life. It's a public priority of personal values and corporate morals And it's something that all faithful people are going to live out exercise on a daily basis. Not just in the privacy of their home or the four walls of their church building, but they're going to exercise that with integrity on a daily basis in the market square of life. It's not the government's business. That's what Madison was saying. And the government should leave the church alone. Congress should leave the church alone. It should never presume to tell people what to believe or how or how not to exercise, i.e. practice their faith. Now, that's not the end of the story, okay? So, so far I've said Jefferson etched in stone that we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, that all men are created equal. 
Okay, and then Madison comes along and writes the First Amendment in 1791. Now, 11 years later, okay, later, 11 years later, over a decade later, you had a small group of Christians in Danbury, Connecticut. They were at the Danbury Baptist Church, and they were afraid that the government was going to start intruding into their business. And Jefferson wrote them a letter. And this is what he said in his letter to those Christians in Danbury, Connecticut, who were worried about what? The government intruding into their business. The government doing stuff that they weren't supposed to do. That it wasn't supposed to do. Congress intruding into the the business of the church and telling the church what to believe and how or how not to exercise that belief. Jefferson said to the Danbury Baptists, I contemplate with utmost reverence that act which declared that the legislature should make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And then Jefferson used this language, thus building a wall of separation between the church and state. Okay, there you go, separation of church and state. Well, Listen to what he's doing within the context of what he's doing. Frankly, his message here is unmistakable. The fact that people can't get this and understand this proves that our schools are doing a crappy job. We've educated a nation of imbeciles, to paraphrase Russell Kirk. What Jefferson just said to the Danbury Baptists, excuse me, to the Danbury Baptists is this. There is a wall protecting the church and its parishioners from the state. And no government should ever presume to breach that wall. This wall was not erected, okay? The wall he's talking about was not erected as a prison of the church and of Christians, but it's rather a fortress. There's a difference between a prison and a fortress. The wall exists to protect the church, not to confine it. Do you get what I'm saying here? Jefferson didn't intend, he no more intended that the wall would restrain the church than he intended that the walls of his own house would restrain him. There are walls that are intended to restrain, and there are walls that are built to protect. So, as as your house has a door, and you use it to come and go, all right. You engage in culture, you do your business, you do your civic duty, you go to work. So as your wall has a door through which you enter into culture, and then after you're done, you retreat from culture back into the privacy of your home and you shut the door. So Jefferson's wall that he's talking about here to the Danbury Baptists had a door. And that door was what the church could, should, and would use to enter society, do its good work, be salt and light like it's supposed to be, and then go back behind its wall of protection and shut the door. Now, the key here is that the church holds the key to the door, not Congress, okay? The church holds the key to the door, and the door is locked on the inside, not on the outside, Again, you lock your house from the inside at night before you go to bed. It's not locked on the outside because 
intruders could get in. Jefferson's analogy here is crystal clear. He's telling the Danbury Baptists in Danbury, Connecticut, that there is a wall that's been built, but the wall's been built for the church's benefit, not the government's. How, how people don't get that is just beyond me. Oh, but you're trying to bring religion into the public square. Yes, yes. We've done it since the inception of our nation. I've talked about the educational establishment, for example, being grounded being grounded in religion, Christianity. Harvard's founding charter was to lay Christ at the bottom as the foundation of all learning. Brown's founding charter was in God we hope. Northwestern's shield, still to this day, bears the inscription from Philippians, whatsoever things are true. And even the University of California's motto is fiat lux, let there be light. The the fact of the matter is, from education to every, every corner of our official government structure, scripture, the Judeo-Christian ethic, Christianity, a biblical worldview, has been, has been part and parcel of the development of our country. There's nothing in our Constitution, in our Bill of Rights, that separates the church from the state. There's everything in our Constitution, in our Bill of Rights, that protects the church from the state. And all walls have doors. And those doors are there for a purpose. The question you need to ask yourself is, is that door, is that door controlled by you or is it controlled by the intruder? Is, is, is that wall a, a fortress or is that wall a prison? Now, I'm going to, I hinted at Russell Kirk a minute ago. I'm going to give you the the exact quote, a little lengthier version of what he said in terms of educating ourselves into imbecility. Here you go. This is Russell Kirk, his quote. Ignorance is a dangerous luxury. Many Americans are badly prepared for their task of defending their own convictions and interests and institutions. The propaganda of radical ideologues sometimes confuses and weakens the will and the well-intentions of Americans who lack any clear understanding of their nation's first principles. And in our age, good-natured ignorance is a luxury none of us can afford. We need to urgently recall to our minds the sound convictions that have sustained our civilization and our nation if we ourselves are ignorant of those ideas and institutions which nurture our culture and our public liberty, we will fall. Close quote, Russell Kirk. That's an important quote. Ignorance is a dangerous luxury. And the propaganda of ideologues that, it, that serves to confuse and weaken the will of the American people because we lack a clear understanding of our nation's first principles. This is an ignorance. This is a luxury we cannot afford. We cannot afford it. And then Kirk says this, we need to urgently recall to our minds, excuse me, one more time, we need to urgently recall to our minds the sound convictions that have sustained our civilization and our nation. And if we are ignorant of those ideas and institutions which nurture our culture and our public liberty, we will fall. This ignorance 
of our founding principles, of why the separation of church and state was was even talked about in the first place, of why Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptists and what he was saying. We've twisted it to mean the exact opposite of what he was promising and guaranteeing to these worried Baptists who didn't want the government telling them what to do. And Jefferson said, no, don't worry about it. There's a wall protecting you from such intrusion. And that wall isn't there to confine you. It's there to protect you. That wall has a door and you have the key. You can go through the wall into culture, into the market square. You can do your good work as the church and then you can retreat back behind that wall and you can trust the Constitution as it's written in the Bill of Rights, as they've been constructed, to serve as that wall that will protect the church from any intrusion from the state that would try to restrict your exercise, your practice of religion. Can it get any clearer? This is the nature of the current debate. When I post something just criticizing Georgetown University for accommodating, for enabling the snowflake generation by by giving them cry rooms if they're offended by what I've said for the last 25 minutes on this show, that they need a cry room. And when I suggest that those students should be told to grow up and recognize that life comes with challenges, challenging ideas, that's good, that's healthy. Life isn't safe, but it's good. When I say what I've said for the last 25 minutes on this show, and you've got a bunch of law students, not undergrads, law students at Georgetown University that want cry rooms, and the university thinks it's reasonable and healthy to give it to them, we've got a problem. But we've even got a bigger problem if the first knee-jerk response from a critic is to say, well, there's a wall separating the church and the state, and you need to stop trying to impose your biblical worldview, your Christianity, your theocracy on the nation. First of all, what the heck does my post have to do with that? Talk about a non-sequitur. Talk about a non-sequitur. It makes no sense. You there's no sequence in your objection to my post. But let me respond to it anyway, because you're clueless. You don't have a clue about what that wall actually is, why it was constructed, what it was intended to do. In fact, your wall is a prison, whereas Thomas Jefferson's wall was a fortress. And sir, I hate to get pedantic here, but let me just remind you that prisons are built to confine, whereas fortresses are built to defend and preserve freedom. You might want to think about that a little bit before you pop off about the separation of church and state again. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.